0: What's going on, everybody? This is James Green, Master Facts Voice, and this is another episode of the Facts Project today. Special guest for the second time, Braxton Cosby of Star Child Comics. We're here to talk about
1: broken. Thank you for being here, brother. Oh man, great. Thanks for having me again. You know, I appreciate coming back. We we kicked it and we had a good time the first time. So definitely had to run it back again, you know? Absolutely. And I and I appreciate you reaching out to me. But
0: let's get into this. I mean, now. Uh, campaign, campaign's been going strong for about like, a, I, I'd say about a two couple weeks. weeks. We got about like a, oh, oh, is it a week? Okay, and then yeah, we, we got, got two weeks, no, it's been, a, it's been two weeks. we got two weeks left. Two weeks left. So we got 14 days. Mm-hmm. So So the one thing about your company as opposed to a lot of others, and I remember us getting into this the last time, is right, that right. you know, of course, you are a novelist, you know, by, by trade first, mm-hmm. and then getting mm-hmm. into, getting mm-hmm. into comic book projects as it is. You have a unique way that you do your crowdfunding, because not only are uh, are you getting the comics that are brought out to to everybody in the fold, but these these are also novels that are being put out. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. So we we consider ourselves a a hybrid publisher. That's our we have a hybrid publishing model in that we started off with Media Productions that was established in 2011. Since then, we've published over 30 authors with 60 different novels and audiobook, ebook, and paperback formats. Um, people want to check us out. They can go to CosmunityProductions.com. So then, last year, <clears throat> like I explained to you before, we had um, we've been cultivating this um, this whole entire connected universe of superheroes uh, since 2011. Six authors, 17 novels. Now we're up to. And last year, we were like, man, what do we do next? We got to keep bringing it. We got to you know, pick this up. We got to get people involved. What do we do? So we all fell back to what we consider our childhood loves, which was comics. That's when we first fell in love with superheroes. So we were like, let's do comics. So we did the crowdfunding. We got all four comics funded. At the same time, I knew the whole idea was crazy. Everybody came up to us like, man, you actually did four first issue comics. It was nuts. And it was ballistic. We had a sixty-day window, which was nice. So we did it for sixty days. We got it funded, and uh, a lot of great things came out of it. We've been moving uh, books in volumes now when we go to the conventions. The comics become the new talking and selling point. I got the comics sitting up there with my three books: Cape One, Book uh, Cape Two, Overdrive, and uh, Infinity Seven, which is still part of the Cape series. Um, and I tell all my authors that everybody who's in that uh, who was in Infinity Seven. <clears throat> We have Keyshawn Dodge with his Menzuo uh, character. And we had um, Kaio Champion with his Majesty's of Canon. And, and my characters from the Cape, all kind of, that was our first official crossover since we've been writing all of these. Right, right. If people go, If people go to the website, it's the CMPDSU, the Cosby Media Productions Dedicated Superhero Universe. Mm. And this was our first true crossover cons- uh, when we consider it our phase four, our phase three, where the first crossover happened. So we did all that. And now when people come to the table and I show them the comic <clears throat> and they understand the vision, they buy the whole series. They buy books one, two, three and the comic because that's how we push it. You know, so with that hybrid model, um, Cosmedia Productions, the parent company, Starchild Comics, the comic imprint, we are a hybrid publisher. Uh, okay. I, and I told somebody the other day, I said, listen, after the success of what I've been having with pushing the Cape Hellfire and the first three books of the Cape series, and now we're already working on the outline for Infinity 7-2, I will never write another novel without a companion comic again. I mean, because I, it, yeah, for one, it's, it's, it's really kind of it reinvigorated my love for writing because to do comics is another animal. To write a comic script is so different from uh, I've written four screenplays, I've written uh, 17 novels myself, and then when I picked up doing the comics, I just finished my third comic script because uh, Broken is number two. Yep, Hellfire yep. was number one. And I just finished uh, Still Rain's companion comic, uh, Still Pre Preflight, which is just nuts. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, and that was the biggest comic. The first two are like 24 pages. This one came out to be 27 because I couldn't cram all the action into just 24. I got to 24. I was like, I still got a story to tell, you know. Right, so, right. Uh, so still rain is just going to be bananas when it comes out. But yeah, we're a different kind of animal because we are true novelists who also enjoy comics and write comic scripts too. Now, for
0: basically all the writers and the artists that you basically that you pretty much have in your stable, mm-hmm. when it, you basically are introducing them to the fact that okay, we're we're not only going to do this uh, the way we've been doing it, which is basically creating novels, but now that we're going to ca- the the comic route. Has it been an easily adaptable um, trade for them to basically just jump into the comics the same way that you have? <clears throat>
1: uh, I think I think what we did is we kind of uh, huddled up and we got resources, different comic resources about how to do this. I mean, we didn't want to jump into it and just write something and just hope it was good. We wanted it to be right. solid. So um, I used about three different uh, references on comic writing, and read those books, swallowed them up. And I gave the, uh, gave the access to those um, books and, and notes to the authors so that they can put their stuff together. And, um, and so we tried as best we could to follow the same kind of structure and storyboard with comics where we're going to act one act two act three mm-hmm. <clears throat> set up, you know, and We've just honestly been blessed with some fantastic artists. These are not comic artists, they are artists. So Mm. they have a way of seeing what we write in the script and transcribing that into uh, art in those panels. You know, so we feel like we can pull pages out of our comics and make posters out of them. You know, we want them to look that good. And they have been. And a lot of people have really been complimentary, like saying, man, your stuff does not look indie. And that's the biggest compliment you can pay us because we've really been intentional. About trying to make sure that this stuff looks amazing, and and I've been really really happy with the outcome. Good, good. Now now let's let's get into this latest
0: uh, project that you basically been pushing out. Let's get into Broken. Um. So yeah. now, like I said, two weeks into the two weeks into Kickstarter, we're talking about a from what you've described, and 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 I would like for you to to basically let the people know exactly. Mm-hmm what you mean by this. Uh, it's the first time I've seen it. And the thing is, I actually, I actually like the fact because fantasy has so many subgenres. And yeah, you describe really- this as a dystopian fantasy.
1: Yeah, Why? yeah. So dystopian, so we would break it down. Like there's a difference between science fiction and uh, fantasy. Mm-hmm. Science fiction is normally rooted in, in a, a world that is in the future, Yes. bottom line, that's run by science. Fantasy is anything outer-worldly otherworldly pretty much and a lot of the time the uh the window is either present or a little bit of past you know so dystopian is post-apocalyptic it's something has happened where society has been flipped upside down things have been torn apart uh the world as we know it or the characters know it has been totally uh flipped upside down and and turned, and uh so things are not what they seem uh we usually get the story where we're kind of Dropped into it, and we, we are in that world, and then we get the history somewhere in a storytelling about what happened, or we actually see the character actually travel through it um, from beginning to end. Now, that could also be flashbacks where we're, we're dropped into the world, and then the characters kind of tell the story about how they got here, but eventually, at some point in time, you have to give that history lesson of how we've arrived where we are. So, uh, with Broken that is where we are we're in this dystopian world when we first get introduced to the characters in act one uh we meet kisa we get introduced to her world she's literally a um a slave girl so i'll I'll break it down for like this uh future uh earth all of a sudden all out nuclear war i mean every continent on the planet has been nuked Mm -hmm. so Um, Nobody knows who pushed the button first. Nobody knows who started it. Nobody knows how, but we don't know how it's going to end at this point. So the the world is just trying to figure things out. People uh, spread to the edges of the continents to try to get to fresher and cleaner water, you know, and uh, pretty much the the inner part of the continents are just empty. Uh, 70% of the population dies instantly from the radiation uh, nuclear fallout. Those who survive ingest the ashes and things happen. <clears throat> of that 70% of, of, of that 30% of people who have survived, a majority of them turn into what we call ashers. They're mm-hmm. basically zombies, you know, walking dead. Um, and then the, uh, the other uh, part of them become crazy. They turn into what we call hoarders. And they just like imagine like Mad Max, they just uh, scavenge the land, destroy, pillage, whatever they have to do to survive right Uh, they're kind of just like maniacs Uh, and then this government entity kind of rises up called the establishment worldwide and the the crazy thing about the establishment what they've done is they realize like hey the economy is gone there is no more money it has no value gold has no value so the only thing we're going to do now we're going to trade people so they Mm -hmm. basically enslave those who are too weak
0: so we go backwards and i'm sorry so we go back we're doing that again yeah slave society
1: Yep, yep. But this has nothing to do with race, creed, or color at this point. Right. This is just whoever's weak. It's about it's, so it. So becomes the class system: the strong elitists and everybody else. You know, so they set up these things called settlements, and they kind of rewind the clock a little bit even further, even like the biblical days where they have precincts and districts that are run by magistrates and judges. Mm. You know, so we don't have presidents and things like that anymore. It's just people who are over districts. You know, right. so. Uh, Kisa is a slave girl, but everybody has jobs as slaves. So her job is she's a scout. She basically goes up on the hills. She kind of looks out. She has a walkie-talkie radio where she can radio back to the settlement to say what's going on. So she's looking for ashers. She's looking for uh, hoarders and how they are advancing towards the city, You know the the settlements and whatnot. So uh, that's her job. We get that snapshot of her and her world and then we kind of get into her mind. Uh, Broken book one, like you say, is a novel. And that uh, is written from a first-person narrative of Kisa the entire time. So we're all in her head, all her thoughts. We get an idea of what happened to her. She is now left alone. She doesn't have a father or her mother anymore. And she only has her little brother, Kieran, who's nine years old. So her job, in her mind, is to be his parent, you know? So she's going to protect him at whatever cost she can. But she's going through a lot of turmoil of all the loss, and she's really ready to give up and die, to be quite Mm -hmm. honest. Wow,
0: now and, and, and within that suffering, they, I, is it either Kisa or another character within the, the, this uh within the comic and the novel itself that suffers mm-hmm. from ESP and has visions? Right.
1: So uh, that other percent that I left out of what remains of people who get these at, who uh, ingest the uh, nuclear fallout turn into what we call alphas. Mm. So they all have special, unique abilities. And the foreshadowing in the story is that eventually um, there's a resistance group like it always is. And they're coming around to try to recruit and they're looking for these alphas because they feel like they hold the key to turning this whole thing around. And that's how the story continues to unfold in book one.
0: Man, so if if we're checking all boxes, uh, (laughs) nuclear holocaust, uh, going backwards into a slave settlement, the living dead, and people with unique abilities. Where does, where does Kisa fit in all of this? It, and the thing is, I know, in, from, just from reading the summary, mm-hmm. the, the big thing is that she wants to escape, but it's almost like, what does she do when she does?
1: That's the whole point. And you got to think about that, right? <clears throat> yeah, you're a slave. But they feed you every day. They put you in these slave pods and they group you by age, so you're not like a 16-year-old girl with some 35-year-old man in your pod, you know, they go up to age 19, and then her brother's in the younger ages. so like I said, everybody has a job to do, so everybody's working on the, on the uh, settlements, and so, yeah, you may escape, but where are you going to go, you know, you're going to run into right. some hoarders, you're going to run into some ashes, the land uh, is not fertile anymore, so you can't just go and pick up fruits or vegetation, you've got to figure out how to pick up the pieces and start all over. So you're at a crossroads, especially if you're a teenager. You know, right. you're, you're almost like I'm stuck. You know, and that's what Keese is dealing with. Mm.
0: Now, now I'm guessing the the establishment is more of a, uh, I guess, a governmental system as far as the judges and the magistrates go. Yep, yep. As far as the slave settlements themselves, do they operate those settlements?
1: Yeah, they run them. These are their uh, settlements. So there's about uh, about. They, like I said, they do them in, di- uh, in, in, uh, in districts and precincts, kind of a higher uh, yeah. realm, so you get more, so they kind of divided it up in the southeast, northeast, and, and west, and stuff like that, so um, all these little areas are run by the uh, magistrates, and the, the goal is to become a judge one day, where you really get more uh, of, a, of a, um, a precinct as well under you, rather than mm. just districts.
0: Now, as far as like uh, uh, Kisa's personality and in, in in such of uh, the fact that basically okay, we're we're operating around hoarders, the living dead, in in some form of fashion. Is she an alpha herself? And and if so, how does she basically devise a way within her unique power s- scale, if she does have one, to basically maneuver this whole story?
1: and that's the whole point of the book and you, know, you got to read this thing it gets really really crazy so you want to know like is she an alpha is she just feeling some things what's going on you know and all this is brought about uh with the first person narration through the first book you know mm-hmm. and what is the goal if you get out then the goal is to survive but what's that look like you know right. and and they've heard these whispers of a resistance it's not you know it hasn't been confirmed yet so you go out there in the world and you're hoping to run into them but how do you even contact them what do you do so all these questions are at hand but things boil over when her and her friends just decide like you know what i'd rather take my chances you know this is it so there's always that inciting incident in the story that moves things forward that forces the character on the path yeah and that character has to come to the point where you have that debate of am i gonna do it and if you do do it then what are you you know how is that gonna look and that's that's that piece that is in the story that makes Kisa either decide to go or to stay.
0: Yeah, I feel like a lot of this story is kind of like stepping into the unknown. So basically you have mm-hmm. Kisa, who's basically within all of these barriers. She has right. no idea what the outside world is. I mean, pretty much she's mm-hmm. only 16. Like how long has she been in cap- captivity? Right, right. So like uh, her brother may have, may have been born in cap- captivity, Maybe may even mm-hmm. been a baby when, when he was in ca- uh, captivity. Right. So yeah. she may, may have been a child. They've lost both their parents. So in mm-hmm. the fact of her taking her chances, it's more so kind of like of like a just just get out there and see exactly what's what we can do when we get out there, right. and who can right. help us when we do. And then right. it's like if they're gonna if they're gonna take their chances, I can see a lot of this a lot of this story going left because of uh, mm-hmm. 70 percent of the country. Uh, I'm sorry, of the world being completely zapped out of existence Decimated. yeah yeah
1: Decimated. so
0: so I, uh it's almost like that whole walking dead scenario you know regardless Absolutely. of how far you go there's factions out there that are pretty much against you the entire right. time right so the That's thing okay. is you oh, sorry. you have to That's figure okay. out you have to figure out for yourself do you want to align with these people or right do you take your chances to just you know go on your own way mm-hmm
1: and I, and I think, so that, that's the real question of the story. I think that's what made Walking Dead great. Like I was talking to some other folks about this too. I think that the magic of Walking Dead was that people go and they look at it and they think it's all about the zombies, but it's not, it's really about the characters, right? Yeah, It's about the experiences that they have and the choices that they're making. And you almost start to get a little bit of a feeling that People are a bigger threat than the zombies themselves. Of course. you know, <laughs> And and so that's consistent and broken as well. You know, yeah, we're, we're always focusing. A lot of the, the book one with the novel being over 300 pages is a lot of origin story. There's a lot of foundation that's laid. And a lot of it is really kind of delving into this uh, elitist society. Let's pick apart uh, the establishment. Let's try to understand how they operate, why they operate. Mm-hmm. And you have those characters who are who are the top um of the establishment who really feel like what they're doing is the best for society at this point you know they've really been convinced and that's that's that um that conundrum of like yeah i get it we have to do something to kind of help the world repopulate and get things back together but do we have to do it to this extreme you know they just feel like they have to you know at this point because if not you can have um anarchy you know so you get this understanding of that and we really dive into the hoarders a little bit and like I like what what happened with the walking dead a lot of time the zombies were in the background you know like oh yeah you was know, going on to the characters and oh don't forget the zombies are here too <laughs> you know yeah. so they just pop up every now and then and that's how it is in here so we really kind of play around with it but when we go into the comic we got 24 pages facts and I had to make sure we had some zombie action going in there to reward people for loving zombies you know of course, because uh, even even in
0: you telling this tale, the tale, the, the year is 2035. So I'm guessing that the technology is a little bit more vast and a lot greater than what it was, even though most of most of the world pretty much got zapped out of control. So there's right. got to be some sort of advanced technology brought into this brought into this world.
1: Right. Well, it was. And then it was wiped out. This stuff just wow. all kind of reset. So now you're just back to, you know, basic weapons um, there can't give you too much of that, but okay. there are people who who still have been able to salvage, because again, you've got scientists out there, you've got technicians who are it. a part of all of that, and of course now, it's almost like the video game Fallout. You know it's futuristic, but once everything hit the fan, they had these um, these shelters and people came out, and then they just had to live without all that extra resource that they had, so they had to put, kind of scrap together whatever they could to survive, so it's that same kind of uh, playing field that Kisa and the rest of the characters are now
0: operating in. So, like, as far as like the supporting cast, like, who does, who, who does Kisa, I guess, who does she figure herself to align with in the, in this first book?
1: Right. Well, um. So I said like she's part of a slave pod. Yep. So obviously there's teenagers in there. She, those become her friends, and almost become like a surrogate family to her. Mm. Uh, she's got a couple of characters. There's Ares, uh, the good, a female friend of hers. There's um, another character that comes in later on named Dobbs, who is a transfer in from another uh, settlement. And then she's got this uh, boy who she's really kind of feeling, but she doesn't really know if they're going to get together. But she knows that he loves her. Mm -hmm. And so um, we got this little bit of a love triangle kind of developing with this new boy Dobbs coming in, too. So we've got that. And with most young adult stories, you have that kind of a a dichotomy going on. Uh, so we, we're consistent with having that as well, and then on top of that, we even have some people in the hierarchy, the establishment, who are kind of taking taking uh, have a little fondness for Kisa, mm. male and female. So right. now right. we're like, whoa, you know, we got this powder cake building of all this emotion. I I, I really, you know, my big focus with the comic with 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 Broken was kind of setting the table of all these elements. And this is a very emotional story. It's very strong. you're in the head of Keisha. You know all the loss that she's had. She's still got all the love that she's trying to salvage out of all of this. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on top of all of that, now you've got the hoarders, you've got the zombies, you've got the establishment. And so when, when I went to write the script for the comic book, um, I really wanted to keep that emotion so you'll yep. see a lot of this. A lot of the panels are these close up shots on these characters and their facial expressions. It was so important when I was working with uh, the artist named Rom, who did my work for me, uh, say, hey, man, when we get in here, I want to see the, the, you know, the, the blood, sweat eyes and things like yeah. that. I want to see that emotion. I want to see the teeth. I want to see the feeling because I know how deep that novel was. When we yep. go into book, book two, which is the comic, I got to see that, too. And he nailed it. He really did. So as far as like uh, the chatter
0: amongst uh, amongst, I guess, the children within the settlement as to the world outside those walls Mm -hmm. with Dobbs being like a transfer in or better yet, anybody else who may have who may may be the one to gossip. What what is what does that world look like outside those walls as far as imagination to those children?
1: Yeah, well, that that's the thing, you know, like I say, Keith has got the job. Of the scout. So her job is like just about a mile outside of the settlement. She's up on a high mountain ridge, up on a tree with a seer scope, just kind of surveying the land. So she knows when she looks to her left and to her right, it's nothing but dead ground. They even call the areas now the deadlands, you know, because there's nothing there. There's no animals straying and coming through there. And they've all been wiped out, at least from what they see. So if you see something, it's every now and then you might see some wayward puppy that came out of nowhere, but it's probably sick as heck, you know. drinking water you know they don't know so there's these there's these elements of this world that has pretty much just been has passed away right know. so um so to the imagination of all the other um teens in the slave part it's just like hey we got to figure this out you know we don't even know what we're getting into so that is that debate that they have when they finally start saying hey our time clock is moving we got to get going um and now it's the, the decision of, well, if we do, then what's going to happen? What's what's better out there than what we have here? So we do have those moments where it gets really intense in trying to make the decision of moving forward to stand where you are. Mm. Is there anybody
0: uh, within the camp itself, within the settlement, that is, I guess, conform themselves to the fury of basically what's going on, and has pretty mm-hmm. much turned into almost like an Uncle Tom in in a sense, and does not want anybody. Do you see Absolutely.
1: that? Yep, you do see that. And it's a, it's a family member that's very close to Kisa that does that. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's always one. <laughs> that's Absolutely. It. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, you know, and, and again, in the way it's written, you start to think, like, dang, well, like... What would I do? You know, because, again, I mean, this is a world that we have not been thrown into yet. You know, do
0: you you just sell everybody out in order to just live in your comfort and kind of like live out your days? Because you you pretty much figure any anywhere outside these walls is a waste.
1: Mm -hmm. So, again, you know, you hit it the most. It's it's it's, you know, man against the unknown. I mean, they never saw this coming in their regular lives. You know what I mean? And for a time for a time stamp for you, uh, it's been about three years where Keisha oh, was okay. on the run. She wasn't a slave for three years. She's been on the run, moving from place to place in Georgia. And eventually uh, they get caught. She starts off in one um camp and then she ends up getting in a settlement for about the last year or so. So that's, that's where we are now. And like I said, her brother is there with her. Mm. So how does the establishment
0: come to power when you have a nuclear holocaust that basically wipes out an entire world and yet you have to, basically try to find some type of order to go back mm-hmm. into a slave settlement to to basically figure out a way of currency if you realize that that's going to be people like where do these people that may maybe they've had power in the past but the thing is how do those people start to align to where they can make i guess a business out of it by trading people
1: yeah so ima- imagine this i mean we we know how this usually goes right mm-hmm. if there's A nuclear attack on the United States. Yeah. Where are all the government officials going? Underground. Are they going to take us with them? Nope. And after every after the dust settles, they they got a plan. Yeah, they're going to be right. are probably not a part of. Oh, of course. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so that answers your questions. You know what I'm saying? So that's the thing. What is the establishment? It is most likely just government officials who have picked up the pieces and they say, "Hey, here's Plan B." They're always one step ahead of all of us civilians, you know? Mm. So uh, being how this takes place in
0: Savannah, Georgia, so of course this is, uh, this is of course, taking place right here in America. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I know the establishment has pretty much set themselves pretty much nation-based. Right. But right. It's also happening in other
1: continents. The establishment is established in every continent, every country. Mm. this is this is going on you know so we're here in echoes of what's going on in other countries we have no idea so again the question is if this is all happening in all the other countries how do we get here yeah gotta read the book yeah man
0: <laughs> so, so you you described this um book as the uh the book
1: one of the young hellions uh
0: series mm-hmm. why did you describe it as such
1: so when you, when you open the novel up, you get this, uh, this first uh, prologue from Kisa. And it's really what you get from her is her at like age 25. Ah. And she kind of talks about what has happened. It's almost like she's giving a speech. And she right. says, you know, my name is Kisa, the leader of the resistance. Uh, and this is my story. So now we go back. And then she's talking us up from age 16 up, you know? So this is something, this is a movement that she is now the face of. So we just want to know how she gets there, you know? So that's what we read the book for. So uh, the young Hellions becomes, you know, really the group that she's leading. Mm. Uh, and how she gets to become the, a Hellion is from the reading in the book. Wow. So I, I'm going to
0: take a slight guess on uh, here that, Later on down the line, somebody from the establishment tends to show themselves and basically takes the takes on the role of the antagonist in this in this book oh, yeah. book series Absolutely. against Issa as she starts to develop a little bit more power
1: positions
0: with, with the resistance.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it happens early on, and then eventually, you know, by the time we get to the end of the book, <clears throat> that person has been truly identified. They come into even more power than where they start off in the beginning of the book, uh, so that's why the timelines get pushed so much because they start to realize who and and, and what Kisa may be. So now you've got to you've got to nullify that. You know what I mean? Um, so it's it's almost in the same kind of vein with like The Hunger Games. You start to realize who um, Katniss was, and the and the presidents know how to take her. House. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. You start to see that that like that
0: one particular person started to get a lot more attention than everybody else. Right. And, right. you know, that faction just started to just wane on that. And they started to basically mm-hmm. put a lot more tougher obstacles in front of that person. Right. Right. And yet they were still overcoming those obstacles. And then that person Absolutely. gained more notoriety and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like they're up here. They, they're almost like yeah. a, a folk hero in a sense to where you are in the flames. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to where they're like, uh, I guess um, she's going to have she's going to be a face without, you know, there's no social media or no technology or anything like that. But people mm-hmm. are going to start to talk. That's right. About, you know, liberation starting to happen in certain mm-hmm. certain types of camps. Now, that that's absolutely interesting. So as far as um as far as the progress of this book, how much of this book is written?
1: 100%. Wow. See, you that's go- a that's always do that, man. <laughs> 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 That's the beauty of this Kickstarter, man, is that, you know, if people go and give to this Kickstarter, when it's done and we get it funded, we go to print and you can get these books. You're going to get the comic. The comic is 100% done. Mm. Um, I sent you some pages just so you kind of get a glimpse of it without the lettering in it, but the lettering's done. I wanted to just kind of yeah. let you see the art. And um, so the novel's done, completely edited, ready to go. To print and so are the comics so as soon as all that printing process is done these things go out as rewards that's
0: that's brilliant brother now now how how has con season been been looking for you because i've I've seen you i've seen you i've seen you a couple pictures you've been out of cons this year
1: yes it's been sweet it really has like i told you this this whole vision of being this hybrid publisher with the comic the comic starts the conversation people come by the table I say, hey, you like comic books? Yeah, you know, I haven't read a comic book. I say, yeah, but it's probably where you want to start. You want to start reading these now, you know? Right. And then I tell them about the story and what they're linked to. And it's like, boom, you know, so now imagine conventions next year. My whole table is going to be full of the Cape Hellfire, books one, two, and three, a novel. Mm -hmm. Broken, book one novel, comic. And I'll have Steel Rain, pre-flight, the comic and the flight of the starship concord the book so it, it, when people come by and say hey what you like you like science fiction you like zombies or you like superheroes i got all of it you know so right. it, and, and it is i have doubled revenue of conventions since i started this vision so i know that it, it is what people really want
0: of course of course now have you been able to like step outside of georgia a little bit
1: I have not done that. Um, I went Well, I've gone to Alabama. We did Alabama. We did South Carolina. Some great conventions there. Um, Tennessee. And um, my goal is to eventually land either in New York or San Diego Comic-Con. I have eyed another convention in Kentucky, which is actually pretty big. And uh, even Florida. uh, People have been kind of saying, man, you got to go down there. You got to go down there. Yeah. Megacon, man. Yeah. Yeah, Megacon. Yeah. Megacon. I know. know. I've been, eye- I've been eyeing them, you know, so I, I think next year with all of what we have, I do think it's time to kind of head out into those areas.
0: Now, uh, I remember basically from the last time that we talked, when you when you basically brought up the fact that you were you were going to put four different stories out and the mm-hmm. fact that you, the fact that you actually did it, not in, I don't I I have yet to see any indie publishers that are going to put out four different right. stories right. And, right. W- w- within a within one calendar year. And yeah, right. I, and, and I know you have a lot of writers that are basically on board, just basically like pushing out content mm-hmm. as much as possible. Right, right, right. It, right. It, is it, is it hard to put checks and balances on that? Cause I, you got to have editors on staff, bro. <laughs> Yo, no, for real.
1: I got, I got to be honest. I am the one who's the middleman, <laughs> you know, right. uh, you got the comic script in, I look at it, my wife and I do the editing, clean it up. We get it to the artists. We assign the artists because um, I think they all. We have a really talented group, man, and they all have different styles, right? Yeah. So, um, and it just kind of came together magically. We were blessed. As soon as we opened up Star Child Comics and put that out on um, on um, social media, people were DMing us, "Hey, I'd like to do some commissions." I got that. So let me see what you got. And they would send me their styles. If it didn't work, I say, you know, probably not anything we're looking for right now. But we'll call you. The ones that did, I was like, man, I gotta. I gotta use this guy, man, cause this really kind of fits the vibe of whatever, you know? So that's yeah. how I ended up connecting with, um, like I said, Bruno Abdias did um, The Cape. Okay. And he um, he's done some work with uh, Marvel and DC in the past. So that comic book was like off the chain and he's out of Brazil. I ended up working with Rom and he is in uh, in Brazil as well. And he did uh, Broken. So those are the, uh, the uh, drawings you have there. I, had, I ran into a, a fabulous uh, colorist, um, mm-hmm. and uh, his name is a uh, Caballero. He did um, the coloring for Broken, so his okay. colors are so dynamic. And now um, I have uh, Daniel Max, who's doing uh, the sketches for Still Rain. And if I showed you this stuff, man, it trust me, you you would flip out. It is insane. And I saw his style when he sent me his portfolio. He did science fiction, so I was like. I got a science fiction author, you know, I mean an artist. You have to partner uh, the right artists with what they do. You don't try to stretch yeah. people out beyond what they're what they used to, but like Daniel's eye with the science fiction has been just cold blooded. And um, I'm gonna have Caballero do the coloring for that one as well. So I'm excited, man. But like you say, to this point, we dropped four first issue superhero comics in April. Yep. Broken will be out in August. We already have um, um, the artist who worked on um, Menzuo and Metatron is also doing the uh, sketches for another one of our authors with the Majesties of Canaan series, Kyle Champion, his his book series, who crossed over into Infinity Seven. That artist is actually working on Majesties of Canaan right now. They've already started with storyboard and and initial sketches. So by the time this year is up, by December, we would have released seven first issue comics. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I, I know the fact, you, I know that you like
0: to work fast. You know what I'm saying? Right, 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 right. I, I, but the thing is, you're efficient. And, right. ha, and I know you like to incorporate your novels, of course, with these first, uh, first singular issue comics. Have right. you ever thought? about incorporating just volume trades like maybe like the first three issues in a volume trade right. of, of your comic with your novel have you ever thought about that
1: right well you know we that is so much more because then you're know, talking about a lot more resources because again these oh, are 27 pages so it is it is resource heavy but um what we want to do is kind of bring everybody into our world this is a world reach for us because we have a whole universe so it's like hey you need to get metatron because there's four books that go with this so we got as far as we're concerned we're in volume we already got volume it's just just different mediums you're either going to read novels or the comic so that's there's five volumes of metatron out right now there's three volumes out there's four volumes of bark right out not right now Mm. there's four volumes of the cape right now you know they're just i tell people i say the comic is for is the fourth book of the series. It's just right. in comic form. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're going to be stepping up and getting the first two volumes of the Broken series. You're going to get the first two. Vol- and what was genius is that I had brought out the Starcross Saga trilogy. I introduced Steel Rain as the bounty hunter in there, and I gave him his solo book. And when I was kind of working with Daniel Max, I'm like, I got to get this guy a sci-fi story. His artwork is amazing. Yeah. And then I was like, people would probably want to know in between the time of Solstice, which is the third book in the Starcross series, and the first book of Still Rain, what happened? So that's what I did. I wrote his story. So essentially, Still Rain, the novel, is now book two because Still Rain pre-flight, the comic, is book one.
0: Right. <laughs> now it's funny because like I'm I'm looking at it and I'm I know you want to you want to introduce them into the world because they're so although they're very similar. You know, it's a whole different perspective. Have you? Is there anything different from the comic that you wouldn't see in the novel?
1: Um, no. Okay. I mean, honestly, it's it's, it's, it's the only thing is it's your mind's eye, right? So right. we write this stuff. We know what we see. A hundred people can read that novel and they'll see the scenes differently. So now we give you the. I tell people it's the. Physical manifestation of our brains now in the comic. So now you actually see what we're really seeing. We're dictating that to you where we let, it, let your mind kind of run wild in the novels. You know what I mean? So now we're showing you that world. And now it's about show, not tell. So I tell the um, art, the, uh, artist, the authors who write the, screen, the uh, scripts for the uh, comic, hey, make sure they see your world. Yep. Make sure that they understand where you're coming from now visually. Because this is your one shot now. This you get to dictate this piece, you know. And they've done a great job at doing that, man. They they've kind of just gone wire to wire, just kind of showing everything that these superheroes can do, which has just been fantastic to see. Definitely, man.
0: Now, if 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 anybody wanted to get uh, basically past issues, some of the novels or anything like that, like where where could they go to basically like get get their hands on your work right now?
1: Yeah. Well, the beauty of it is, you know, what we did with the comics. I showed you at the end of every comic there's a page and Mm -hmm. it says like, you know, if you buy, if you buy Menzuo um, war at home comic, you get to the end, there's a page that just shows like all the books that are in the series. Mm -hmm. And we made a special page on our website. There's a QR code. You scan it with your phone. It takes you right to our website and a, a page of everything that has to do with that series. So you don't miss a beat. So like, you're like, Oh, I can get them from right here. And then for people who just, that link will actually take you to our Amazon page and you can just buy the books right from Amazon. So it's safe. You're not about, you get the ebook, the paperback or the audio book.
0: I was just about to ask uh, digitally and physically.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Awesome. Awesome, man, yeah. bro. I, I appreciate you doing this with me, man. This, this is, the, yeah. this is, it's always good having you on. Um, so basically broken two weeks left. Yeah. Two weeks on the Kickstarter, two weeks on the Kickstarter, uh, book one of the young hellion saga. Uh, bro, I I give mad kudos to you because the the, the way that you work and basically the fact that you're able to put out novel and comic book form and the the, the ways and the the quickness and in and, and efficiency that you're able to do mm-hmm. it is always magnificent. So
1: thank you, thank you.
0: No, absolutely, man. Big up to you, and I want to see this through, especially. So we got two weeks left in this campaign. Go get that. All right. So from yeah. James Grand Master Facts, boys. Braxton Cosby for Star Child Comics. Go get broken. We are out.